John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Let's begin reading in verse 26. John chapter 6, verse 26. And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do, do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has, sent, has set his seal on him. I had just a little moment there. You may have noticed that something flashed in my mind. I had a little, a little revelation. <laughs> When he said, most assuredly, I say to you, you not seek me because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves. We talked about that a little bit last week, but keep that phrase in mind. We'll get back to it in just a second. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Do you ever notice that religious people, what they want to do is do something? Did you ever, that's, that is the human condition. That is what, 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 what do I do? That's the default of the carnal mind. What, what do I do? <laughs> and Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent. Now hear what he said. Hey, the, what shall we do to do the work that you do? And he said, well, this is the work of God. The work is God's. <laughs> Your job is to believe on the one he sent. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? Now that connects back to that little spark I had just a second ago. That I, They said, he said, you, you, did, you did not, when, when Jesus said in verse 26, most assuredly I say to you, you not seek me because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves. Now, don't forget what just happened. It's been a few weeks, but don't forget what just happened. He just took barley loaves and fishes and divided it among thousands of people. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? And they ate. I mean, he said, you, they, it's just people who ate because he said, you didn't come because you saw, because you saw, you came because uh, you ate. You know, we talked about it about even last week when he, or he said, you, you know, you didn't come for me, you came for, you come for what he could give. But look at that again. Jeff, look at it again. Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs. They ate of a miracle 
and never saw it. They didn't see the miracle. Brother Scott, they didn't see it. Because their question was, and therefore, he said, therefore, that's in light of, right? They said, what shall be, what sign will you perform then? Yesterday, he fed 15,000 people with a boy's lunch. And they saw it. They were there. They ate. What sign will you perform then? He said, you didn't come because you saw the sign. You came because you ate. And how do I know that that's what it's talking about? Because keep reading. Keep reading. Unless you think I've lost my mind. Keep reading. What will be the sign you perform then? We saw that we may see it and believe you. Now think. He just, he just fed thousands. What work will you do? <laughs> Our fathers ate manna in the desert. And it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They, they just ate bread from heaven the day before. Literally. You think that bread was from that boy's lunch? They just had bread from heaven from his hand the day before. And they said, he, he said, you didn't come because you've seen the sign. You came because you ate. And they said, therefore, what shall, sign shall you do for us then that we may see it and believe? Interesting. Look, it's in there. And Jesus, and then they said to him, what shall we do that we may see the works? And Jesus answered them and said, this is the work of God that you may believe in who him sent. Verse 30, therefore they said to him, what shine will you perform then? That we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger again. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. He said, I said to you, you have seen me. What well, the me is the bread of life. You have seen me. He just said, I am the bread of life. And I say, you have seen me. And yet you do not Believe. All that the Father gives me will come 
to me. The one, let me read that again. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not of my own will, but of the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have life everlasting. And I will raise him up at the last day. And the Jews then complained about him. Of course they did. Because they said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, and whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven and Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourself. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up in the last day, as is written in the prophets. And they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And not everyone has seen the Father except he who comes to God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down to heaven that one may eat of it and not die. For I am the living bread which come down from heaven. No one eats of this bread. If anyone eats of this bread, if who? If anyone eats of this bread. He will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I have given, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews, then the Jews said to him, Most assuredly, I, and then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Therefore, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And as, a living father, as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which comes down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna who are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Father, help us tonight. Speak to us through your word, by your spirit of truth. We pray in Jesus' name. There is a lot there. A lot. There is the first I am of John. There is 
multiple doctrines established and or disputed in that passage. There is the entirety of the gospel in that passage. There is the reality that people can see him at work and what he is and who he is and what he can do and what he has done right before their eyes and still say, what are you going to do that we can see and believe? I told you I wrote that little note in my Bible Saturday night that probably going to be stirring in my brain. Y'all going to be sick of hearing it. Seeing is believing. You know, we've said that for you. I mean, I mean, I mean you know that's a cliche. I mean, everybody, seeing is believing. No. No. Seeing's not believing. Seeing is just seeing. <laughs> in fact, Jesus said I had a whole lot to more to say about he who hears than he who sees. And he's still not talking about natural hearing. He's still not talking about our senses. But he'll say, he who hears my word and does it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Spiritual. There's There's a lot here. I see way more about what Jesus sees between him and his father. He, a few chapters earlier, he says, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. Yeah. Everything he does, remember, as a man, everything he done on this earth, he done as a man, not as God, as a man. In obedience to his father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Seeing is not believing. <laughs> we could talk about Matthew 24 again, Luke 17, Luke 21, where what seeing is going to do is bring deception via lying signs and wonders. Oh, I was there when it happened. Hello? Are you thinking? He who who hears and believes. What work shall we do? Well, believe. Well, then what will you do? What work will you do that I can believe? Interesting. Now, I want you to ponder it again because I've already thrown it out there. Can you really imagine that you were just in a crowd of thousands the day before? It's it's getting late. You've been there all day. You have nothing to eat. They search everybody. You go look at the scripture. They went among the people. They went to find. There's nothing here save a few loaves of bread. They knew. And then it starts cranking out. And it says they all ate their fill, remember? That's what I told you last week. They all ate as much as they wanted. Some would have eaten more, some would have eaten less, because you can have as much as you want. And then there was more than enough, because it's Jesus. 
And it comes back to what can I do and then what can you do? And all the while, see, when he done the miracle, it says, it said, he asked of Philip, what are we going to do? But he said he already knew what he was going to do. But he was testing Philip. Philip, are you going to, are you going to look to me or are you going to flip out? Now, I'm trying to talk to you a little bit in the middle of this. Uh, we're, I, I, got, I got till 2030 to teach the book of John. Y'all know it could take that long. We ain't no hurry. It's more important that we get something. That we understand some things. That we eat of the bread of life. The bread from heaven. I wrote a little thing about Linda West today. And I'll tell you, Linda West taught me a long time ago. You don't know her, but I'll tell you what she taught me. She said, you don't read this thing like a novel. You don't read for, to get through it. You read to understand. You study to understand. Study to show thyself approved. A workman, what's it say? Need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That takes time. And she would tell me, God had rather you get the understanding on a word than to have read a book or the whole New Testament and not know anything. Get under, read for understanding. Read for understanding. And Jesus says, I, I, I went back a little bit reminding you that he said, Philip, what are we going to do? All the while knowing what he was going to do. He wasn't, it wasn't a trick question. It was a test from what he already knew about him, what he's already seen. He's following. He's around him. He already knew what he was going to do. And I want you to know something that God still does this. So let me beg to ask a question. And I'm going to ask me too. I'm going to ask me too. Because he had just, uh, there's never been a miracle that there wasn't a need. There's never been a miracle. In fact, there's never been a miracle that there wasn't a crisis. God doesn't deal out miracles for our entertainment. That's one of the problems with the goofball charismania world as, as God's doing miracles for like a circus and God has never done miracles for, for the entertainment value. I, I got news for you. He really doesn't even do miracles for you and me. He does miracles to glor- for us that he be glorified and I get the benefit of the miracle. But there's never been a single miracle that there wasn't a need, that there wasn't a crisis. Ever. There was a crisis. Thousands of hungry people. I know people in this room that once they declare they're hungry, you got about 30 minutes. Any hands? Any hands? Let me help y'all. Y'all, y'all acting all saintly. I, 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 any, anybody in this room that gets hangry? 
You got about 30 minutes to do something about it. It's that, it's that low carb thing you're doing. Yeah. Can we fix you some biscuits? Some biscuits and honey. Now, now I think about 15,000 people. It was a crisis. And the miracle worker was there. And they saw it and they partook of it. And then they, they, but they didn't see it. So I've come to a question for all of us. Because we all come to crisis places. Anybody in here that's never came to a crisis place? This week. Don't be lying. All liars have their place in the lake of fire. You ever come to a crisis place? That you... Have you really have you ever been in the place where if God didn't come through it wasn't going to happen? I mean for real. Now you were lost if God didn't come through and he did you would you would be hopelessly lost. So if you don't have anything but I but in this natural world that they were out of food. This is a this is a practical need. A practical crisis. Not a spirit it was a practical crisis. Have you ever been there? And God came through. That's supposed to build our faith. It's supposed to teach us about who He is. Well, who is He? Well, one of the things, one of the things He is, He's faithful. So, the next time a crisis comes. And you say, what about, do you light your hair on fire and run around the room declaring, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. Y'all get crazy on me on Wednesday night because I know most of you. And y'all act like that y'all don't ever, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I've seen some of you with your hair on fire. You're the one looking at me. <laughs> I've seen me with my, I've seen, well, she set my hair on fire. That's why I don't have as much as I used to. Yeah. I can prove it photographically that I had a full head of hair when I married her. I'm about to need a miracle. It's an illustrated sermon. I'm about to need a practical miracle. That's why, Sam, that's why I said to have the car at the door with it running. <laughs> about to need a practical miracle. We sing about his faithfulness. We preach about his faithfulness. We, re- we teach about his faithfulness. You read about his faithfulness. You know why? Because he's faithful. It's who he is. 
The fact that you got up this morning and it wasn't a pile of ashes. That's one of Whitney's favorite things. Boom, boom, boom. That he didn't boom, 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 smoke you into a pile of ashes. That's a, I mean, some of you, it's a miracle. But it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassions fell not. They're new every morning. Great. Somebody say great. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm getting somewhere. They Practical. He knew what he was going to do. I want, here's something. I want to tell you something. God knows what he's going to do when you don't. Before he ever asked, Philip didn't even know there was a crisis. I don't see any indication. He should have. He was a bonehead. These people are going to get hungry. But it doesn't say anything about Philip knew there was a crisis. It says Jesus asked Philip. And Philip's like, oh, I don't know. But Jesus knew what he was going to do. So he says to Andrew, Andrew, what, what, Andrew, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. He said, man, if we, if, we had, if we had 300 denarii, if we had a year's salary, we could, it wouldn't even buy enough bread to give these people a little bit of food, much less feed them. I don't know what we're going to do. Huh? He already knew what he was going to do. So what was his point? Anybody want to venture a guess? What was his point? This wouldn't, we, we, we're reading a little bit about the religious people here. We're, we're, we're reflecting on what, the, what they're even talking about. What was, what, what, what was his point? He knew what he was going to do. He wasn't trying to trip Philip up. That would have... Now hold on a second. James says that God doesn't tempt any man. No man's tempted of God. I'm talking about tempted to sin. Tempted. I believe God absolutely tempts us to do right. <laughs> I'm talking about tempted to sin. That's what he's talking about. No, God doesn't tempt anybody to sin. He's not out trying to destroy people in sin. But he says he already knew what he was going to do. And he said it was a test. So what? And we know, we know, because we have the full canon of Scripture, that Paul's going to tell us whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Oh, that's big. I don't even have time to talk about Think about that. Whatever is not of faith is sin. We think because we didn't punch anybody in the face today. That we've done good. Whatever. <laughs> but so was he trying to get Philip to fail in his faith? No. He was giving him the opportunity to believe. Oh. Can I make your head spin and just jump forward just real quick so you can know I'm not crazy? I have to say things, Jeff, so they know I'm not crazy. Because he gave Peter a chance in the same dissertation, the same little talk. When they all went away 
And so it says some of the disciples that had been following left, they, they quit believing and walked off. And Jesus looked at, at the, the capital D disciples and said, are you going to leave too? Opportunity. Peter says, where will we go? You alone have the word of life. Peter passed the test. That time, Peter passed the test. Yes? Back to us. He saved you. Many of us, well, he, some of us, your deliverance is, was so obvious and so public that everybody knows your story. He saved you eternally. He delivered you from insane bondages. I come back to you because everybody knows you the best right now. You couldn't do it. I want to tell you something, Duel. I'll tell you because this is where I'm going. And I'm going to kill you if you come in here with your hair on fire. And I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, you ain't got nothing to spare. I want, this is why I'm telling you. He don't, he, he don't mind that I pick on him a little. He saved you in, in an incredible absolutely stunning way and delivered him from years of unbelievable meth addiction that nobody should have lived through. You shouldn't be sitting there. The grace of God. <laughs> and, not, and not over a six month time or a year time or three years time. Or, boom! Just like that. Just boom! He was dead and then he was alive. He was lost and then he was found. He was an addict and then he was free. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. Boom. If he never, listen to me, if he never does another thing for you, ever, that's enough. That is enough. But you know, but the thing about it is, he's more than enough. He's more than enough. That's the thing about it. It was, this is literally like if Duel would come in and come in the next day and say, "Well, I know that that I was dead now I'm alive. I was lost now I'm found. I was an addict now I'm free. I don't have any desire for 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 a fix or for anything else." But what are you going to show me today? What are you going to show me today? Or get a little bill, dude. Sometimes I think you people in Southeast Texas have too much money. Because people in Arkansas, you say you get a little bill due, and they say, Amen, brother. <laughs> Is that my line? <laughs> I ain't lying. <laughs> Amen, brother. They, they know about too much money at the end of the money. Amen. He's done all that. I don't even have to say it. Y'all are hearing it. See, isn't it amazing you can talk and teach and preach and read it in the Word and say it out loud and people don't hear it? 
Or you can bring them to a place in the Word and you don't even have to say it and they've heard it. <laughs> what are we going to do about that? I don't know. You know why I say I don't know? Is it because I don't care? Flip it? Don't, whatever? I've been accused of that. Don't you even care? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. You can ask me all day long, and we can all lose sleep over it, and we can all, but I still don't know. But I read, I read to you that when, before they even knew they had a problem, that Jesus knew what he was going to do, and he just asked them to see what they would do, knowing that he knew what he was going to do. I, it's good teaching. It's good teaching. I think I've told this little story here one time, and I'm going to tell it one more time. I'm going to. Uh, I hesitate because people take things the wrong way sometimes, but, but I want to give you a really practical example. One time back home, there was a lady that, uh, in our church that everybody knows and loves. Still know her and love her. Uh, she was in ministry and just a precious person. But they, had, they were in a crisis in their life financially. And not, I, I don't suppose that anybody knew it. I, don't, I didn't know. But they were, they were at a crossroads in their life. I didn't know that. And about two months before this occasion... It was one of those middle-of-the-night things. That, you know, it's probably my fault that the Lord has to deal with me in the middle of the night. I talked about this earlier in the staff meeting. I said I, would, I want to tell him to stop dealing with me in the middle of the night, but I wouldn't dare. I've known people that tell the Lord how to deal with them, and he, and he, and he did it. And then they, then they had to beg <laughs> through tears. Any way you want to is fine. But what I... In the middle of the night, I woke up, and I, the presence of the Lord was there, and I knew it, and he began to deal with my heart. He said, I want you to give this couple $10,000. And I thought, hmm, okay. At the time, I could. Nope. I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, any, if you ever get to the place that $10,000 is nothing to you, come and see me. <laughs> we, we need to talk. <laughs> we, we got lots of $10,000 projects around Meg. If you ever get to the place $10,000 is not a lot of money, let's talk, okay? But it was, it was doable. And, I, and, and it was when my late wife was alive, and I was going to tell her the next morning, and, and the Holy Spirit said, don't say anything. Just be prepared. Okay. Never said a word. It was a good two months later. It was on a Sunday night, Sunday evening service. At the end of service, I walked. Lisa was sitting right here where she always sat. And I walked up from behind her. And I walked up to see if she was ready to go. And she looked up at me and she said, do you have your checkbook? I said, I do. She said, write her a check. I said, okay. I said, for how much? She said, $10,000. I said, all right. She said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I already knew we was going to do this. I knew it two months ago. So, 
I know things. <laughs> and so we did. It isn't about me. Don't hear me. Hear me. It isn't about me. I'm giving you, I'm giving you something. This isn't about me. So I pulled out my wallet and I had a suit on. People used to wear those. And, and I pulled it out and I wrote a check for $10,000. And this lady came walking up beside us about that time. And I put it in Lisa's hand. And Lisa stretched out her hand like this and said, this is for you. And when she saw it, she just burst into tears. She didn't say, oh, you don't have to. Somebody in this house needs to hear that. Somebody in this house needs to hear that. She didn't say, oh, you don't have to. Oh, no, no, no. You know know what what foolish pride that is? You're in a crisis, and you know you're in a crisis. And you've prayed for the answer, and the answer, oh, that's, that's false humility. It's fake. It's pride. She didn't do any of that. She said, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And that was all that was said. And some, about a month or so later, her brother-in-law came to me and said, I know what you've done for Sandra and Leon, or what you and Lisa done. Oh, what I said, I know what y'all done. I, I just don't want it for her sake. <laughs> I know what you've done. And I appreciate it. I said, that's just what the Lord asked us to do. He said, what you don't know, he said, they were days from foreclosure. They were days from losing their home. They're 60 years old by now. He said, they're, they're within days, down to hours from losing their home. Nobody knew. But that was enough to catch them up and to pay them out. Never said a word. Sometime later, we were walking across the parking lot, leaving. And she was coming across the parking lot, coming towards me. And she was just going to her car. She was parked right there. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, tell her. Because I thought, I'm going to resolve. I mean, this is just something you do. You don't go around talking about it and bringing it up and throwing it in the face. Right? And she don't know that I know. At this point, no, back up, hold the phone. I didn't know. Sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. So it was just as much, it was just as much news to me. She's come across the parking lot and the Spirit of God said to me, tell her. That before you ever knew Before you ever knew you had a problem, I had an answer. He said, tell her that. Tell her before you ever knew you had a problem, before you were ever in a crisis, before you even had knowledge of it. So what's he saying? before Before you ever were behind the first day. You hear me? Before... Philip, he tested Philip. He knew what he was going to do. 
Before I said, before you ever had knew you had a problem, I said Sandra, I don't want to bring anything up. I'm just obeying God. Before you ever knew you had a problem, God wants you to know that He had a solution. And I thought she might tear the doors off her car there for just a minute. And it was after that that I found out. She never told me. I never asked. And I just told her what the Lord said. And I found out from her brother-in-law that they were on the verge days from losing everything. And the Lord wanted her to know, can you imagine the sleepless nights? We're talking about a, she, I've said her name out loud. They could, she is a woman of faith and of power, can preach the paint off of the walls. One of the most godly people I've ever known in my life. Faithful to this day. It wasn't because she was not faithful to God. It it, it was I, I cannot begin to explain why they were there. But God already had a plan. And what am I what about what am I talking about tonight that we've that we've looked into here? That before Philip even realized there was a crisis, Jesus had a plan. And now this is all over and the religious leaders were all there. And, now, and they were there. They ate. They didn't see the miracle. And what can we do to do what you do? They saw something. Because they wanted to do what he did. But they didn't see the miracle. What do we do to see? What do we, what do, we do? He said, believe. Believe. Well, what are you going to do? Well, what are you then going to do that we can see and then believe? If you, if they couldn't see that and believe, what were they going to see and believe? And what I'm trying, what I brought you to this place to ask you, Dual, if you saw him, hope, Mama, you saw it because you prayed to him. You saw him, him hope, he saved the hopeless Rich, me too. His is just fresh and demonstrative and right in front of you. Incredible. We saw it. Hey, by the way, y'all saw it. Delivered you. You saw it. You experienced it. You can testify that there was no drying out, that there was no, there was no detox, there was no anything. We're not talking about a little dope here. We're talking about enough dope to put a horse down every day. Am I lying? Am I stretching it? It's a lot of dope. Boom. (laughs) So what happens now when he comes and you say, what are you going to do for me today that I would believe? What I'm trying. If he saved you, what can you not believe him for? Why are you running around with your hair on fire? Well, pastor, not everybody, the, the bill got paid before the house. No, not everybody, that happens. You know what? But the, Jesus said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, don't take any thought. For what you wear. Or what you're going to eat. He said your heavenly father knows what you have need of. He said 
consider the lilies. Look around. Look at the flowers. He said, they don't work. They don't toil nor spin. That means, what does that mean? They don't work. But Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed like them. Look at them. <laughs> he said, I'm stop and smell the roses. Look at them. Solomon, he said, that was me. <laughs> Solomon, he said, look at the sparrows. He, he didn't choose a rare bird, Matt. He didn't choose a rare, a rare bird. It wasn't that ivory-billed woodpecker they're still looking for in East Arkansas that they've saw one in 65 years. It was sparrows. You know, the ones that you can't keep your feet or fill. They're worse than the squirrels. Are you hearing me? He said, consider the sparrows. He said, there's, not, there's millions of them. Not one falls to the ground that I'm not aware of it. So the hairs on your head. He cares about the hair on your head. Don't nobody make no bald jokes. It ain't funny. Because that's not the point. He says, no. Andrea, it's not that he knows how many you have. How many of you know you lose hair every day? And it's replenished. Some of us just more than others. Are you hearing me? Hear me, hear. It's not that he knows how many. He knows which one. The hairs on your head are numbered. He didn't say, I know the number of the hairs on your head. He said, the hairs on your head are numbered. And if one of them falls, I know about it. Hello? How are we going to do this, Pastor? I don't know. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust Him. Trust and obey. There's no other way. (laughs) When you what? When you walk with the Lord. Help me in the full of his word. What glory he sheds on our way. Something like that. If we do his good will, he abides with us still. And do all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. <laughs> yeah? It's, it's not what have you, what have you done for me lately? What are you going to do for me today? What are you going to show me today? His whole thing was, you didn't see it. It's not who sees. Seeing is not believing. <laughs> Seeing is deceiving. Blessed are those. He says, blessed are those. He said, you talk about it, show me and, I'll, and I will believe he says, he tells you that just later in this chapter, he said, how about those who have not seen, yet they believe? 
How about when it just take him at his word? Take him at his word. Take him at his word. Proverbs chapter 3. Let mercy and truth not forsake you. Buy, write them on tablets. Bind them around your neck. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. He never asked us to be understanders. He asked us to be believers. And if you believe, to do it. Come on, somebody. When are we going to just believe him? Because when you read these stories of the Pharisees, we think, oh, you know, you're thinking in your mind, them Pharisees, they never got it. Yet, You ain't sleeping because you're trying to figure out how it's going to happen. You did everything you can to make it happen. Abraham and Hagar. Did y'all connect that? God had promised it. Heard that, that preacher that just this week. Somebody hear me. This is a newsflash. Because I've always heard it preached all my life. I've preached it this way. You know, Abraham tried to help God out. Went to. Abraham wasn't trying to help God. Abraham was trying to help Abraham. <laughs> Abraham. Abraham wasn't trying. To, God didn't need a son. Abraham did. God, God wouldn't doubt in this promise. Because God knew, God already knew that he was not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. That what I say I will do, I will do it. God already, he wasn't helping Abraham. He wasn't helping God. He was helping Abraham. <laughs> when Abraham helped Abraham, Abraham got a headache that we're still dealing with. Don't be mad at Hagar. Hagar didn't do anything wrong. She didn't do a thing wrong. Hagar didn't do a thing wrong. Abraham was the problem. And what was his problem? But it's an interesting paradox because it comes back in, to, to the, in the New Testament that it tells us that Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. Because that's the thing about God. You can mess up. Boy, uh, Pentecostals don't know that. Pentecostals don't know that. 
Well, the, well, pseudo-Pentecostals don't believe that you have to live anyway. They're, about, they're getting about like everybody else. You just live any way you want to. Grace has got it. That's not true. You don't get to live like hell. You can't live wrong and die right. You just can't. <laughs> you can't live wrong and die right. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing. When you're in him... When you mess up, if you'll get up. I didn't say if you mess up. I said when you do. When you mess up, if you'll get up. If a man falls seven times. What's it say about that? How many times do I need to get up? Well, one more time than you fail would be. Doesn't work. We don't know. Abraham believed God. And it was counted him as righteousness. People can mess up. That's good news. I just gave you good news. That is good news. Aren't you glad that there's good news? I'm sure glad. I wouldn't be standing here right now if, 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 if I messed up that I was out. Hello? Yeah. He way, he way messed up. Boy, I could take a side trail right there. Because preachers make me mad. I got time to chase a rabbit. <laughs> because it's a messed up world. And preachers are messed up. And people think I'm a preacher hater. No, I'm a false teacher hater. I have a problem with false teachers. We're supposed to. We're supposed to have a problem with false teachers because false teachers are more dangerous than false doctrine. And I tell you why false teachers, you know, did you know that? False teachers are more dangerous than false doctrine. You know why false teachers are more do- dangerous than false doctrine? Because if there was no false teachers, there would be no false doctrine. They are, per- they are the perpetuator of false doctrine. <laughs> and you know, all, we got all these people, you know, we're not supposed to say anything anymore. Not supposed to tell you who the who the perverts and the wolves and the. It's not talking about people who have personal faith. David. David failed God. David failed David. David failed God. David failed his wife. David failed his 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 kingdom. Not just with Bathsheba. Wouldn't have been a zigzag if David hadn't have failed his people. But we're not supposed to, Scott. We're not supposed to say anything. You'll never hear me say anything about somebody's failure when they get up. You know why? Because they got up. That's what they're supposed to do. (laughs) We're not supposed to say, do you know, they have you believe, oh, you're not supposed to say anything. Don't call them out. Well, well, they have a problem with Jesus. You got a problem with Paul. You got a problem with Jude. You got a problem with Peter. You got a problem. You you just got a problem. (laughs) Because I got, did you ever think, have you ever stopped and thought, that every person that we know their story of failure, whether they were redeemed or unredeemed, he wrote it down and we're still talking about it. Did you ever think of that? Did you ever think of that? David, this man after God's own heart, that it was a disaster what David done. Baby died. His daughter got raped by a son. His other son killed that son because he raped his sister. 
His other son decided to try to take the kingdom from him and David was on the run for his life for years. And then this son, as he's pursuing David, gets hung up in the trees and it kills him. He said, because the prophet said, he says, God's going to spare your life. He said, but, the, but bloodshed will never leave your home because of what you've done. Did David get away? David abandoned after God. David got away with it. Oh, please. Please. It was tragedy. Because the consequences were tragedy. But the redemption was glorious. It still is glorious. But you know what? Every one of us are still reading Psalm 52. Wash me. Purge me. Cleanse me. Remove not your presence from me. Draw not your, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and I will live. We're still reading about it. We're still talking about it. We're still naming it. Anybody, I got a problem with anybody that wants to let the wolves roam around the people and not tell them who they are. Because it's not scriptural. Oh, I could get real personal right now. Real personal right now. But I won't. It's scriptural illiteracy is what it is. Yeah? This is what Wednesday nights in particular are about at Mag Church. So that can't happen. (laughs) If you know the word, you'll know what's right. If you know the word, you will know what to do. If you know the word, I keep going back to if you know the word, I got just a few minutes. I may pick back up here, I might not. Because this is important. It always comes down. This is what this is why we do this. This is why I walked you through. I I I I doubt most of us knew that 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 the the, the second occurrence of, of, of multiplying loaves and fishes was about the bread of life. It was a testimony because we, we tend to read that separately and not keep reading that it, that it was a demonstration to, to his disciples and to the religious people who didn't even see it. They ate of it, but they didn't see it. They didn't show it. Well, what are you going to show us today that we could believe? Everybody say, A believer should have discernment. This is important. So please give me your attention for a few minutes. A believer should have discernment. And discernment is not a gift of the Spirit. Boy, that that knocked your hat in the creek. The gift of the discerning of spirits is not discernment. And discernment is not a gift of the Spirit. Discernment comes from knowing the Word, comes from knowing what's true. If you know that thy Word is truth, forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. It never changes. It's not ambiguous. It's not, it's, 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 it's not uh, relative. It's settled in heaven. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never 
pass away. You can count on his word. If you know his word, you know what's true. And if you know what's true, you will instantly recognize a lie. That's discernment. Discernment comes from knowing what's discerning comes from knowing what's true. Every believer should be discerning. That's why I can say such scriptural illiteracy in the church today because if the, if the church knew the word, they wouldn't be falling for gold teeth and gold dust. If they, if they knew what was true, they, they wouldn't be looking for a savior and a president. If they knew what was true, they... Boy, I think I'll just say it on record. I'm not, again, not bragging. I'm talking about knowing the word. You know, y'all know about this, that, this mess that's going on with all the Kyle missionaries and stuff and all these sexual predators that found their way in all the situation. The first one to get arrested, I mean, I can say it. It's, it's, it's when Will Robertson got arrested for molesting his own children, a Chi Alpha leader taking his own children to the pervert and molesting his own children. In fact, he adopted a child that they were his from the beginning. You with me? You with me? Will Robertson was one of the first missionaries I met when I moved to South Texas. Within the first three or four months, he called me to go to lunch. And when I go to lunch with a missionary, whether we're supporting them or not supporting them, whether we're going to pick them up or not pick them up, I always have a check in my pocket if I have lunch with them. Just to give to their cash fund, whatever. I always, usually $500 or $1,000. That's what it usually is. Just tell you. That day I had a $1,000 check in my pocket. We were already supporting him. I met him over there when Tuffy's was still open. I had lunch with the man. I said, it was nice to meet you. Walked out, got in my car. When I got back to the church, I put the check on Katrina's desk. I said, void that check and drop him from our support. There's something wrong with that man. There's something wrong with him. <laughs> I'm not taught. because I, I, A believer should be discerning. They should, they should be able to listen to, over that long of a conversation about a guy that's supposed to be reaching, that's supposed to be the guru of reaching students for the Lord. And he won't look you in the eye and he has, and he has no desire to talk about true ministry or the true word of God or anything like that. It's just, and not only that, he was weird. Now weird don't disqualify you. There's a lot of people wouldn't be in ministry if weird disqualified you. But it didn't help nothing. Are y'all hearing me? This is why this preacher passionately preaches the whole counsel of God. Passionately. Oh, and I, sometimes I even upset myself. <laughs> I do. But you know what? It's still true. And I, I, you know, I'm going, if, 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 if I go by the grave before the rapture and if I have a tombstone, I, you can put it on there that, that I withheld nothing. I want that to be my testimony as a man of God withheld nothing. 
I want that to be my testimony. <laughs> Discerning comes from knowing the word. That's why I'm passionate about you reading and knowing what it says. Because if you don't, you'll operate in your senses and you'll be wrong. You will be wrong. You will make fleshy, selfish decisions. Sometimes it's almost plain as it could. It couldn't be any more plain what you ought to do. And you do it and it was as wrong. I've seen it happen. That it looked like there was no other logical way that it should go. You didn't ask God and you done what was completely logical. And it blows up in your face. Yeah? Obedience is still better than sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Discerning of spirits, since I, since I threw that out there, discernment comes from knowing what's true. Discerning of spirits is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit that comes into your life at a time that will, t- discerning of spirits will tell you what spirit is really operating behind someone what's really motivating them. They may have the face of an angel and a silver tongue and, and be able to talk the game and everything else. And the whole time they're doing it right and everybody's swooning and following them. You're here, it's like adults in Charlie Brown. You say, and you're thinking, everybody thinks this is the godly, God, godliest man alive. For 20 years that pervert operated in all over the and the and the and, his, and the mantra was he was the godliest man alive, and not one person in all that leadership in twenty years picked up on it. I get in trouble one of these days for saying that. I don't care. It's true. Discerning of spirits is a supernatural manifestation of the spirit that comes for you to know what you're dealing with. When it looks good, sounds good, smells good, tastes good. It's when, gentlemen, it's when she, when you were young and she came in looking like the woman of your dreams. She looked like everything you ever wanted. I've seen a lot of people marry everything they ever wanted. And, and by dark, they were a devil. It, it certainly does. <laughs> It's, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was leaving that for my, for my sidekick. You know, when Whitney's not here on Wednesday night, it kills my soul because she has a ministry. She's my wingman. I don't even have to point at her. It's just, she, she's got timing. She knows right when to say it. Yeah. Yeah. they missed it they ate of the miracle of an impossibility and they still missed it show me and I'll believe no you won't no, you won't. No, you won't. Believe. And he'll show you. You can trust him. At the end of all this, it's time to wrap it up. At the end of all this, 
I didn't say none of that. At the end, at the end of all this, everything God does has done in your life. You should build on it. You should build on it. From, the, from salvation on. Because he's, you've already seen him do. He's already, if he saved you, he has already demonstrated the most incredible power he's ever going to demonstrate in your life. I, I, I don't, I, I've come into the place, I, I know people still think this is negative. I don't think it's negative. I think it's just scriptural. <laughs> well, I don't think it's scriptural. I know it's scriptural. But I, I truly believe that we're going into a time that the church, particularly the church, the, the, the church, the body of Christ, if they're going to pay their bills, they're going to have to believe God. I believe that. I, I believe that there's lots of people, lots of families, lots of areas in this country that if you're going to eat, you're going to have to believe God. I, I'm not being that negative. That's not scary. He told, he told, do you trust him? Do you trust him? I mean, I preached to a scorcher Sunday, but it's, it's, it's true. Yeah, the question, do you trust him? Because he said, he told us that all these things, that, that stuff is in there, by the way. That's why I'm preaching it. It's in there and it's where we're at. And he told us, he said, this is what's going to happen. Now don't worry about it. That's what he says. He said, if you're mine, you don't have anything to fear. It's not negative. He said, if you will trust me, he is, he's telling you literally, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to be something else. But the, those who fear me, the, those who love me, those you don't have anything to worry about. And I believe that, he, that this is where we're at. There are, we are literally going to come to time to be the church that we're going to have to imagine that. To be the church, we're going to have to trust God. Imagine that. Makes me want to say, who would have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? But you know what? He that dwells it. You know what? When it, when it gets rough and it gets bad, and it gets, I can start remembering that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my God. I forgot one. My rock and him will I trust. Surely. Somebody say surely. <laughs> can I just read that? This is one of those times when my when my rememberer is not remembering on every syllable, which it, most of the time it does. But <laughs> he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Shall. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, man, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the, noise, from the noisome pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth, 
His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. It's going to hold your armor on. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lies waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. But you shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. That's what it's about. I want you to hear something. You want to know about the things that's going on? It's the reward of the wicked. It's not the punishment of the saint. It's the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And their hands shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall, you shall, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Trust him. Stand across this place. Trust him. He's done it once. He'll do it again. I love that old song. He'll do it again. Do you know that? Do you believe that? He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Just take a look at where you, where I am now and where I was then. Hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how. You may not know when, but he will do it again. Aren't you thankful that he'll do it again? He'll do it again. Father, thank you for your word, for the testimony of faith, for the power of your spirit. Lord, may the spirit of truth tonight take these words and quicken them, make it alive to our hearts. May we leave here changed by the power of the word of God. That's what, it's not a preacher, Brandon. May we leave here changed by the power of the word of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug their neck, tell them that you love them, even if it's by faith, in Jesus' name.